Welcome to episode 132 of Pelotero Pickle. I am hosting alone today, so I'm excited. Uh, send your questions to pickle at pelotero.com or at Pelotero Pickle on Twitter. I don't know why Bobby messes that up all the time. I do have a special guest today. Uh, this might be the most excited I've been for a guest because somebody I kind of watched grow up over the last few years and got to watch him make his big league debut. And I think the whole world saw it. Can't be more excited for my man, Sal Freilich. Sal, how you doing, buddy? CC, fired up for being on. Thanks for having me. Dude, I'm just surprised you don't have so much media requests that you could make it to Pelotero Pickle on a Monday morning. So. What? Kidding me? All, I say no to all of those. Easy Let's, one here. Let's go. Swazi's going to be so pumped up slash jealous because I actually told him – I told Swaz, I said, you can be a guest on the show because he's an avid listener. We have like, we have a pretty good crew of listeners and people when we skip a week to record a show. So the baseball world's into what we do. Um, maybe not as much as the foul territory guys who, by the way, I'm throwing this out there. Patrick, I need a social media clip of this. Sal, the night he got called up, the, the coolest thing ever will lead right into the first topic. So the coolest thing ever, you're playing for my old manager, Rick Sweet. Alabuff, those guys down triple A, right? And the funny thing is Kratzy played for those guys too. Um so they're they're wearing you out about not having a shirt on. Tell us about the debut and then we're gonna talk, we'll get into the or the, 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 the how when you got found out that night and then and then we'll get into the shirt thing. If you look like that, you can wear no shirt all you want, believe. Yeah, no, I uh it was pretty late after the game. Like that wasn't right after I mean some guys like weren't even there, they had left. We were Hanging around the table, um, what I was I was in the spread with the shirt on, but at, at some point it came off. We were just hanging around the table that we, um, and then all of a sudden, um, like all the coaches came out and were kind of like asking kids if they were good to play tomorrow. Uh, Rick, our, our manager, I was like, yeah, I'm good. Like, what do you mean? Uh, and he said, well, you're not playing here. You're playing in the big league. So definitely caught me by surprise. Had absolutely flew. Um, but yeah, then I was on. Uh, on the plane first thing out the next morning. So awesome. I, I got to watch a video and I'm thinking of Sweetie. And by the way, somebody's going to tell him to shave because that shit all over his face. That just ain't it. I hope Sweetie sees this. Like, what is that? He looks like Santa Claus kind of. I'm just. Season goatee, then he shaves it right after the season first game. So that's his, that's his new, uh, new, new, new in season goatee. Yeah. It's, uh, it's like a. Is it midlife crisis? I'm a time of buses balls because I was like, I, I've seen it the last couple of years. It's a big thing. And you've got to play for those guys uh, for a while now, right? Like you get to play for Sweetie and, and Buffy for a bit here. Yeah, that was basically second half of last year. And That's awesome. I uh, It's it's cool. Like uh, So two things we had in common. We both got to play for that staff and major league debut against the Atlanta Braves. So sick that we share that. Yours was way better than mine um i don't know did you hit a, did you hit a pumpy in no one over four blacked out uh bus ride 12 12 p.m game in atlanta 159 degrees didn't sleep all night laser my first at bat and i was like oh up the gap double and jason hammer was like no we catch those here son and i was like oh cool i'll just go run back to the dugout um i did play right field 
So there was that debut. You played right, right? Yeah, of course you played right. Right field against the Braves. Wow. So, I mean, this is even getting more special for me. All right. Tell me about the day leading up to it. So you get to, you fly in in the morning, right? You get, you get to Milwaukee and now, um, what time was it when you got in? Um, how did things roll from there? No flights to Milwaukee like that late. So, um, the next morning, drive there to uh, Milwaukee, which isn't bad. It's like an hour and a half, hour 20. Um, that drive, I mean, it was definitely a lot of thinking going on. You're just kind of sitting there. I ended up getting the lineup when we were in that drive. I found out I was like in the batting six, and I was just, you know, it kind of all hit me. Uh, but then when I got to the stadium, it was kind of just slow motion from the minute I stepped in till I got back to my hotel that night. Um, it was really kind of taking everything in. I remember going out for BP. Um, hitting in the cage before, getting the scouting report on the pitcher, like all kind of a blur, um, really in slow motion. And um, I just remember every new thing I was experiencing, I was just really trying to take in, and um, it was a cool day. You looked you looked very zen. And I honestly, I tell this story a lot. I remember when you made your, your debut at BC, your first game at Boston College at the school, I came to watch and – I, I, you, didn't, you and I didn't know each other then, but your, your coaches, Alex Trez and John Murphy, two of my best friends in the world, had told me all about you in the wintertime. And you, got, you guys had played a few series up to that point. And, uh, you, you know, this little freshman and had heard Gatorade Player of the Year stuff, and he's a great athlete, football player. And I just remember the moment I watched you walk from the batter's box to home plate. And I tell people this story all the time. I looked at Trez and I was on the concourse, and I just started going, yes, like this. <laughs> I said, yep. And it's been awesome to watch you, you develop and um, got to play for team Italy this spring too, which was really cool. But uh, I'm so, I, I really couldn't be happier for, for a person. And I look forward to watching more of this, um, which is, is really cool. Tell me, let's, let's backtrack a little bit. Um, you know, high school, you went, you end up going to Boston college after, uh, high school athlete, one of the better high school athletes in Massachusetts football. People talk about your football tapes all the time. How did baseball end up being the choice, and, and then why BC? Yeah, I mean, BC was definitely one of my dream plays to hockey games since not old, 10 years old. So I was always on campus, um, and I remember after my freshman year, my sophomore year, Coach Campino uh, had been signing me for – a little bit that summer and had offered me. Um, it was kind of a no-brainer. Uh, yes, to, to go there. And then, I, I mean, that was baseball, but that wasn't me not playing football and hockey all the way through high school. I was very clear with him about that. Like, hey, listen, I'm going to play football and hockey the next three years. And like, yeah, absolutely want you to do that. Um, and then after my junior football, he actually offered me football as well. Um, and I was like, yeah, I'm in. It. Like I'm gonna play both, cool, and um, that lasted for about like a month or two. And Gambino kind of sat me down and was like, "Hey, man, listen, like you're a really good baseball player. Um, I think I can kind of see you excelling even past college, which I hadn't even thought about before." Um, he's like, "I think you should come here and just play baseball." And I was like, "No way, no way!" And I kind of kept pushing it off. And then um, you know, I sat down with some of my high school coaches, my parents. And, um, I was like, you know what, maybe I – mean, I was like, I, I agree with him. I, I don't think football uh, maybe has anything past college, but I think maybe baseball could. 
And then I trusted him and trusted my other coaches and, and ended up just choosing baseball. That's good stuff. And obviously you had a, a really good career. All the, the executives and the scouts I talked to, um, this so leading up to the draft is funny you know your your draft and obviously there's some clunky stuff to happen with COVID and all this stuff in school but uh you know I I talked to a lot of people on the circuit and you know Cody Morissette was your teammate and and there you know you guys had some good players at Boston College and I, I every time somebody would ask I would just be like Sal 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 <laughs> and and the funny part was is that I asked because you know, you're part of, I think, what I would say is like this new age of analytics, like swing decisions, contact rate, darling, right? But at the at the same time, as much as good of an athlete you are, people probably didn't necessarily envision Sal Frey like the first rounder. I, I think I may have, and, and your coaches did certainly, who got an appreciation for watching play every day. Um, but I, I talked to all these scouts and, and they say to me, Sal Freilich was the airport conversation. I said, what does that mean? I didn't really understand it. And and this describes you perfectly. Every time the scouts would run into each other in the airport, they said, you would be the guy. Hey, did you see the play Sal made? Or hey, did you see the thing Sal did on the bases? Or hey, did you see the, the ball Sal hit? And that's a testament to how you go about your business and play the game. And uh, literally couldn't be more proud again. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sound like a tool on this because I'm going to rave about you. Um, but it's been awesome to, to just get to know you and watch you. And then you got to be at Paisai, Team Italy. Tell me a little bit about how that came out and, and how the experience was in the spring. Yeah, that was, I mean, I, you know, pending health, will try to that every single time. That was like the baseball I'd ever played. I mean, four games, um, no one cares. No one cares about their stats. No one cares about like anything except winning and it's like every single pitch run um and it was an absolute blast um coach Gambino helped me out originally putting me in and I was kind of iffy about it CC and then I was talking to you about it and you were like dude you got to go do this and um I mean Piazza was the manager with um, a good staff Blake Butera who's another BC guy um, was on the staff as well and um, we had a good group of guys a good group of you know guys from pro ball a little bit of a mix of guys who I played in pro ball or in pro ball or in the minors. But, um, it was great. And we were going to Taiwan as well to start. And I thought it would be a really cool experience. And I also thought it was going to prepare me better for this year's season. And I think maybe spring training would be a little bit of an edge going out and playing really highly competitive baseball. So um, I was super thrilled to do that. It was incredible to watch you guys there. Um, I wanted to be part in any way, shape, or form I could be. And I, Probably could have thrown some barrels out there, but to allude to your point about, you know, that team and, and obviously that underdog mentality, you, you could see, and I think this is the advantage that Italy has as a, as a unit, it's bringing a bunch of guys together who kind of have something to prove, right? And, and, and it immediately makes you go Whoop, like this, right? You, you connect. And I think that's been the experience. It's now three straight uh, WBCs that Italy's had a really good showing, uh, you know, starting in 2013 when, you know, we boat raced Canada and, uh, and beat Mexico on that first day and then got to the second round. And then, and then in, uh, in Mexico, the last time when another comeback win, but watching you guys this year was, was really cool. And you needed like got down to that last day and you needed a very specific thing to happen and you were capable of doing. It. And it just goes to show, I think what playing team baseball really could do. And, 
I think honestly, Sal, that's like the same type of energy that I see you bring into this team. Who's obviously in a playoff race with the Brewers and, you know, obviously the way you debuted your first game. I, and I'm going to, I'm going to make this about me because of course I am. I'm going to read my, my text verbatim with Ken Rosenthal. Um, because he, you know, of course you made your debut on a national TV game. And, <laughs> and of course you make two ridiculous catches because that's just what you do. So he was doing the in-game. Have you watched your, your debut yet? Have you gone back and watched the whole thing? Yeah. So, okay. Did you hear, did you hear the national TV broadcast? So like in the four, in the fourth inning, Ken is doing the little spot on the field where he's going, you know, Sal's mom couldn't make it. And I'm going, why couldn't she make it? And it was the dogs. And I'm thinking to myself right away, I'm like, dude, if I had known, I got, this is like, I have like a kennel in my house. So I would have taken the dogs so your mom could have come. And I said, tell my guys, I said, Sal, I said, hello, after the game. I said, he could have texted me. I would have watched the dogs. Like it was the like the first thing that would have come to your mind. Let me text CC so my mom can bring the dogs to his house. And he wrote LOL right away. And then uh, I sent him the, the crying smile emoji, right? And I said, I talked to him this morning. I said, I should have known. I should have thought about it with Murph. And Ken said, he seems like a great kid. I said, he's awesome. Just a gamer. And then like within 10 minutes of that, you make the two catches in one inning, which of course you make two catches. Like tell, tell me about the plays now. And then I'm going to finish the text. Like I was more excited about the plays. The at-bats I wasn't even shocked about, but the plays just opportunities for greatness. You know, I was way more nervous to play defense to go up to hit. I mean, stepping the ball, you're more comfortable. Um, I played mainly center. I'm out in right. I need to get some fly balls. I was like, nice rate, rate. I'll catch a few. I'll be good. I'll be And I hadn't had any until I think it was the third or fourth inning. Uh, maybe the fifth inning. But, um, yeah, uh, one hits one over my head. Um Pretty honestly, fairly easy. It was kind of up against the wall. Morning track, find the ball, jump up and catch it. And I was like, "All right, we're good." Kind of got that one out of the way. And then two hours later, um, another ball gets crushed into the gap. We were kind of in a pole shift, so that was like my gap, and um, was able to just run it down and um, you know not hit the wall too hard, which was which was great. But um, got a good jump on it, good first step. So was able to kind of track that one down. So eerily reminiscent of a game. So I sat, I'm going to put this out there. There was a game you guys played against, I think it was Clemson at BC. And I sat in center field and I, I told Murph, and this is before you and I really started chatting at all. I told Murph, I said, tell Sal, he's my favorite player and I'll be out in center field and I'll be like bowing down to him because I want to be just like him when I grow up. And you made a very similar play up against, well, I actually thought you got hurt. Um, but it's you had your it's like your signature thing like you catch a ball up against the wall smash into the wall and you kind of give that like swaggy super cool but it's not i don't even think you're trying like you're just that cool um your little pose like down on one knee or sitting down it's pretty incredible to watch like everything you do i envy and i'm jealous of i'm like 90 percent jealous 10 percent happy for you. That's basically <laughs> um so literally rest of the text and then you make the two plays um, and bear in mind, he, he, you were already two for two at that time. Literally the least surprised I've ever been at a debut, dot, 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 dot. I said, I've been texting with his college coaches, and I told them I, I have him going bridge next at bat or doing something crazy. And uh, he goes, wow. And then he did the interview with your dad. And I said, that was a great interview with his dad. Um, your dad was actually 
very collected, which I thought was impressive. Yeah, I I had seen that. Everyone was like, "Man, he was really collected." I'm like, "Yeah, I don't know where that is home or, or anything." But he very very calm and on the interview. And uh, then he said, "Thanks. I freaking love debuts, especially ones like this." So you you made an impression on the baseball world, needless to say. Uh, last two at bats, game tying RBI, game winning RBI. Because why not? Um, walk me through those through those two abs, and then uh, we'll get into like some more yeah. stuff. Um, well, the, the I, I mean, both were great. Like ones that you want to get. So um, the one, my third one, it was first and third one out. Like so, like I love these situations just because um, I'm a guy who puts the ball in play. So um, anytime there's runner on third, less than you know, two outs, I fighting at the bat rack and um, I was kind of doing the same thing there. I was hoping I could get up in one of those situations and um, was able to. And um, I think at one point the runner had gotten a second. Um, short stop was way over too. So there's a big hole in the left side, kind of just looking for something away. And he backed up a, a slider or a curveball or something and kind of spit it through the left side there. And um, Winker was able to come around and score. And then the, the last one um, with the runner on third there, um, they run in Joe Jimenez, Joe Jimenez, and I was just looking for something up and kind of threw a change up that started at the letters and was able to kind of just stay through it and um, was actually a little nervous at first because Acuna came sprinting in and, and caught a line drive, and I was just like, there's no way Willie's going to be able to tag here. Um, but he did. He, he tagged, like, perfectly, and um, I think kind of caught Acuna by surprise. He was able to slide in there safely. I remember I was just so um, It was the eighth inning, so we out and um, get three outs with Devin Williams on the mound, and I was I was pretty pretty ecstatic. And that must have been so cool. Play like you guys are obviously in the hunt, right in the thick of it, right? First place team in, in the central coming up in in a situation like this is this is right in your sweet spot. And 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 seeing you like you were so present, dude, and it, it was so obvious watching your reaction after the sack fly or sack line drive, whatever you want to call it, with. Uh, Ronald, when Ronald gets those hips turned, I get scared. He got he got the hips turned, and I, I was like, first of all, it's the first game I've watched start to finish all year. Um, and it, it, just tell me about the, the energy in the stadium. You know, people chanting your name, Gatorade bath. You looked so in control, and I think even your reaction after the sack fly was so energetic, and you're just pumped up like you're playing a, a normal game, like it it must've been awesome to come into this setting with a team that's, that's right yeah. in the thick of things. Yeah. I mean, I definitely heard the stadium my first at bat and I definitely like, not like I wasn't dialed in, but like everything I was noticing like about it, I was kind of walking the play like, wow, wow, wow. Um, but once I got that first hit out of the way, I was kind of able to settle in. And I remember second at bat too. It just, I, I felt like after that first hit out of the way, it just felt so normal. Um, and then same with the third. And then I, that fourth about, you know, I really couldn't even hear the crowd. Like, I was just so dialed in um, on just going out and beating the guy in the mound. And I was just, like, going up there ready to compete. And um, I remember just being in the moment. When I finally saw Willie cross the plate, I kind of just let it all out. I was so so fired up that I kind of realized, all right, now we're up one. Now we got to go play defense. But I think uh, when you're in the moments like that and in those high-pressure situations, really worried about winning and, and competing and beating on like kind of enter the zone and, and everything around you kind of don't, don't realize. So I was fortunate enough that that happened that last time. 
I think that's my favorite thing about watching you play. And it became abundantly clear over your your three years at BC when I watched you, and and then obviously your ascent through the minors. Like I don't I don't think that's ever escaped you. Um, baseball is about winning to you, and it's so clear. And I think it's you know talk about that a little bit. Is that part of you think what allows you to thrive on a baseball field and, and kind of takes a lot of the pressure off of individual moments. Yeah. I mean, I've always said this, and I, even when I'm back home and I talk to high school kids younger, it's like, that was why I wanted to play sports. That's why I was always trying to be in athletics year round, not just in baseball. And you see so many young kids now just specializing in one sport. And um, at such an early age. And I, I always tell them, I think you're cutting yourself short. You know, like for me personally, I wasn't a, running around doing showcases in the summer in the winter I was playing football and hockey. Um, you know, I remember getting area code. I remember getting tips from Perfect Game, all this stuff in, in high school just because, you know, I was an undersized guy. I wasn't, you know, doing baseball year-round, but that's okay because I remember when I finally got to college, I see all these guys that are the top prospects. I'm watching take BP. I'm like, oh, my gosh. But as soon as the game started, like, and the lights turned on, these high pressure situations like a lot of these kids didn't thrive and they kind of not folded but they I, I feel like maybe shied away from it and I just I, I love those moments and that's like why I play the game like I want to be in those close ball games I want to you know have that bad you know when it's three two outs like that's just I think from being in so, all those situations in, in, in high school and, and younger and learning how to control my emotions and my energy towards you know um you know, my, my, my game in those situations, um, I think, has really separated me. And then I think on the back half, I started to get better at baseball. Like, when I was a freshman in college, it was pretty much all relying on, like, computer. I just wasn't a good baseball player. And I had to learn the, the game more, and I kind of shaped myself as a better ball player. But I think just being a competitor first is, is definitely benefited. Well, I think you just touched on a huge point right and I think we're, we're, we're seeing a generation of players right now who are very focused on individual stuff right and I think it, it the, the thing that I say all the time is I, I was lucky enough to learn how to hit before I learned how to swing and I, I was lucky enough to learn how to compete before I learned how to you know deal with game situations so I, the, let, let's expand on that a little bit and, and really get into like approach type stuff uh, like where like where does that come from first of all right where like where does it come from internally is it like a thing that your you know your parents instilled in you did you grow up with it was it just from being such a dynamic athlete that played a bunch of different sports and like when when centers around like everything else revolves around that as opposed to why well, hey, i gotta make sure i get my knocks today when everything focuses around winning i just feel like especially for me personally everything else takes care of um, I think that's kind of exactly what you said too about you know learning to compete before you know get, getting in those situations or learning how to you know hit before you can swing. So it makes sense. That's uh, it's pretty advanced stuff, man. And it's like, look, I I wasn't perfect by any stretch of imagination as a player myself. Um, and I think part of what resonated with me, and and I think the thing that I identify in young players is. When you have an ability to do that at a young age, it's special and it's going to lead to special shit because the game is already hard enough. And and it's funny, I, I mentioned um, probably in one of our earlier shows, I can't remember when, but I watched Coach Prime, right? Deion Sanders, a guy who you think is very 
if, if you watch Deion Sanders play when, you're, when, when, when I was young, you'd have thought this guy is into himself, into everything he does, but also one of the greatest players of our generation, played two sports, whatever. And uh, he said something to the tune of, you better have something bigger than yourself to believe in when you play sports, because if not, you'll quit on yourself. It's easy to quit on you. And I think that's the feeling that I had as a player. It, it's very simple to get caught up in, and especially in baseball, a game built around failure to really, when you're focused so much on your own personal stuff. So do you feel like that focus on the game is, is really what allows you to thrive as a baseball player? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, baseball sport, but you're basically everything around your own staff. It's so easy to get caught up. Like, I've done it all. Like, it happens. Like, it's so easy to get caught up in stuff. Um, you know, especially in the minor leagues coming up where it's even harder to play to win because, you know, not like they're not that they're meaningless games, but, um, I mean, everybody's trying to get to the next level. And, and that's, like, the number one thing at the forefront is your personal success. Yeah, I mean, I struggled with it, and I, it's a hard thing. But the more you can focus on winning, um, I, I, I that's what is going to take care of your personal success. Like I said, like not even just winning the game, but like when I go up to the plate, I like even if I like line out, like the feeling of getting beat by the pitcher, like I just don't want to feel that. Like I want to go up and just I want him to know, like I beat you. And so like that whole at bat, it's like that's that's all I'm thinking about when I step in the box is just trying to dominate this guy like I'm not going to be thinking about oh let's load early let's let's like go through and when that stuff doesn't creep into my mind then I'm just about you know competing like that's when my swing that's that's when I'm you know you know feel like I can't get out the plates um I think you know it's even like a game within the game not just you know winning the actual outcome so specifically on on, on this topic what are some things you do to kind of recenter yourself when you do feel yourself kind of wandering mentally? Because th I think those are the things that I try to, inst like, I try to talk to young players about. It's like, where do you go when you start a game over two with two punch outs and, you know, you feel like the weight of the world's on your shoulders. Like what's the thing that, that, that gets you back to center? Yeah. And so, I mean, it's, it's the worst. I mean, it's tough. Like it happens over two, over two and the hardest at bat. Like over four fifth at bats, over three fourth at bats, and you get up. It's usually in a high pressure position. And for me, it's always just been, all right. Maybe we're not going to go up and just you know mother f the pitcher. Maybe we just say, all right, let's go out, hit the ball on the barrel. That's all we're going to do. Hit the ball on the barrel. Um, and that's like the one thing away from like uh, not mechanically that I'll say, I'll say myself is hit the ball on the barrel, hit the ball on the barrel, um, and that'll kind of calm me down because there's a lot of times, especially as a young player where I'm over four and then I even get more competitive and more aggressive. And then I might overswing and I'm really grabbing the bat hard. and I'm just like hacking in, in swing mode early and I'm swinging balls. So I kind of took a step back and was like, okay, we can't go that way when we're over four. Like we can't get more overly aggressive, calm down, relax, hit the ball hard, stay through the middle, something like that. Um, um, and that usually will, will help me calm down as well as kind of just clean up my path or my swing. Awesome. So tell me a little bit, you know, obviously your hitting coaching college was the, the illustrious John Murphy, uh, friend of the program, John Murphy, uh, avid listener of Pelotero Pickle. So this will be shout out John Murphy, but talk to me about the differences that you've noticed between college and professional baseball 
in terms of resources and how things of your priorities have evolved and, and how your, your process has really evolved as a player? Yeah, I mean, so it's in the age of technology now, it's kind of crazy how much stuff you're actually um, College was great because, you know, we didn't have the, a plethora of stuff at our hand. It was who's pitching, here's the pitches he has, and I think we maybe had percentages of what he throws. Um, I never really wanted to know that stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm like, I want to know the, the pitches he has and how hard he throws, um, all the pitches. Like, that's, that's all I want to know. So in college, that's basically all we had, which is, I loved it. Um, and then I got to pro ball, and these sheets we get, I mean, are so – I mean, there's just so much material on this about when he throws them, where he's throwing them, the, motion, the pitch shape. Like, there's so much stuff. Um, and there's, it's creepy. Some guys love that stuff. I don't, which is I can pick. You obviously can pick and choose what you want to use. But so for the most part, I've been able to keep my same. I guess scouting reports on pitchers or how I want to prepare before the game the same um, from college, which is which is great. Um, but they definitely have more stuff if you need that. Um, and then I guess the actual pitching is. I mean, I haven't seen. There's obviously a big gap from college. I'm not gonna buttercoat that, but. I would say the biggest thing isn't necessarily the stuff. Um, I saw guys in college that were nasty, and I see guys in pro ball who are similar to that. What I, what I see the biggest differences is just the misses. Like, I mean, they don't throw the ball over the heart of the plate. Like, I just you don't get pitches there um, in college. Not that they weren't trying to throw it down the middle, but like they make mistakes more, and you're able to capitalize. But like, I've played in seven or four, and I don't think I made a pitch in the middle quadrant of the plate, and um, it's crazy. I, and I, I'm, I'm so surprised. I, I'm getting down a lot looking for that. So there's definitely adjustments that I've been trying to make because, um, I'm not getting those, you know, cookie cutter fastballs right down the middle or those hanging breaking balls. So I think the mistakes these pitchers are making are so little. And it's one, like you, one, you got to execute once they do make that mistake. And two, um, you have to really go up with a good plan to, to hit their, you know, blacked out pitches. That's that's a great point. So I the way I used to describe it to people is, it, it, and to your point, like you face guys that are nasty at different levels, right? And there, there's always somebody that's kind of like your kryptonite, whether it's college or high school or minor leagues or whatever. And I had my fair share of guys that did that to me. And and then I think when I finally settled into the big leagues, I, I really realized it, it was a very strategic approach. And, and something I said to, and I don't know if I ever said it on the show, the weird, the, the weird part about the big leagues, right, and that you don't get in the minors is you're going to get in, in close games. You're getting the leverage relievers every time. It's not like they're going to go to you know some script of who the relievers are. Especially you've been playing minor league baseball with the six game series, the week long series, where you're going to just roll through the relievers on whoever's turn it is to pitch. So the, the the biggest difference in the big leagues is, yeah, that guy that's got like a six in AAA who's struggling mentally a little bit. He's not doing what he wants to. That dude goes up to the show, and if he's got a six, they just they switch him out for the guy that's got a two. So you're really dealing with a guy who is on top of his game for the most part. Now, that's not to say that every guy in the big leagues is super nasty. But what I did notice, alluding to your point, is the fact that it felt like in the big leagues, for strike one, they picked a half, right? They picked a half of the plate, and they're going to that half with whatever it is. Then with one strike, they're going to try to go to a third. And then with two strikes, they're trying to get you to chase, and they're going to try to make their, you know, kind of nasty secondary pitch, whatever their their best secondary is. And then 
once you start to show them that they don't have anything for you, they'll go find a third one somewhere, even if it's not on the report very much. So that to me was like the biggest change with big league pitching to it, it, it goes right hand in hand with what you're saying. They're just, there's a lot less heart stuff, right? There's just less stuff in the heart of the plate. And I think sometimes you just have to start making sacrifices earlier to say, okay, I'm going to take my ball that's on the outer third or outer half right now. And I'm going to shoot my single through the left side. And then when you start doing that, when you start getting, I think, more aggressive, the, it kind of like puts them in a, in a tough situation. So and that was my, the year in 2015 when I had my best year was, I felt like I started swinging. I, I took an approach where I was like, I'm going to get three swings off. I'm not good enough not to, because these guys are, are pretty good up here. And, and they're, uh, they're all kinds of, nasty when you get to two strikes. So I was like, I'm gonna avoid that as much as I can in footballs and play early. Um, how do you how do you look at a, like on day to day, right? Especially in the minor leagues, and it's a short sample size here in the big leagues. But how, how do you hold yourself to a standard every day? Like what are what are the things you look for from yourself? And, and what types of things are you like trying to keep track of so that you can just make sure you bring the best version of yourself to the field? When you get to pro ball, and I, I don't know why I didn't realize this, but like, you just can't do that playing six games a week, you're going to wear out and you're playing 150 games. Uh, I remember first getting to minor league baseball, I was like, I got to figure out myself that involved taking 120 swings every day on the machine. Um, and it was, you know, I kind of was messing around with different things, but it was like, all right, you know, Tuesday through Thursday, do machine. Then I was, you know, Friday, Saturday, just over here. Sunday, it was like waking up. I'm rolling out of bed, right into the box. That's that's what we're that's what we're going with on Sundays. And um, you just have to find a way that your body feels good every single day. Um, and I was just for me, it was like, how can I? And it was hard. Like I, I want to swing before the game as much as I can. But at the same time, it's like when you're playing that many games, um, and you kind of you you it, it all blends. I I realize. Um, but then I, I like outside of it swing as well like getting in the weight room nutrition wise like I was eating like a classic college kid you know for all three years and that needed to switch really fast um I've always been a big you know lifter too in the, in the weight room but it wasn't like I could heavy three days a week like, like I used to it was maybe lift five days a week uh, a little lighter which is you know, kind of what I um switched over to but there's it's so cool coming up and seeing a lot of these veterans, even who I met in the minor leagues, go through their routine. I'm like, I always love watching that because even now, like some of these guys, they've been doing the same thing their whole entire career, seeing how it's worked. Um, so I think that's like the biggest thing is just like routine, routine, routine. I wish I got into one earlier in college or even before that because um, I think it definitely would have helped me out. But these routines that these guys have are so, you know, they're, they're so consistent and they work. Well, I think you're doing okay, by the way. You're holding yourself to a really high standard. You're doing just fine, kid. You're, you're, it's all working out. So if anything, people should should pay attention to what you do. But the thing that you just said that I love is you're paying attention, right, all the time. You're just always trying to learn. And that's why I think, you know, the, the best guys I know are, are attentive. Like I used to talk to Bo Bichette when he was 15 mm -hmm. years old, 16. We did a – we did this – a similar type interview with him before Pelotero Pickle was an official podcast. And he told me when he was, you know, 15, his dad was the, the hitting coach in Colorado. And he watched Michael Kadire and he, he said, 
he, he realized he took BP with the guys like almost every day. And he's like, well, I can do what they do. Like, I can hit the ball the way they do. Now, like, do I have what it takes to be them? And he said he watched Kadire and he just watched how routine oriented he was. And, and to your point, I think the the thing that people don't understand is is the, the game changes, right? It's in the minor leagues, it's a random 11 a.m. start or, you know, you get flopped into a doubleheader on a Thursday and then you get the Sunday day game and then you got to travel and maybe it's an overnight or whatever. So I, I think you have to make your routines adaptable, right? You have to be able to go, all right, let me look at today and I'm going to problem solve today based on the things that I know that I need to do. And sometimes sleep is going to trump, yep. you know, a hundred swings. Sometimes yep. sleep is going to trump the workout. So we get so routine oriented. I think I'm watching young kids get very, you know, throwing programs, right? They're getting so uh, weighted ball programs, but then, Hey, guess what? You're a reliever that might get dry hump twice in a game. And now you've already done your, your cool down. Like, can you come in and compete? the same. So that's why I know that you're, you're, I knew that you're going to be successful because that's going to always be the top priority for you, right? That, that, that's the thing that stands ahead of everything else. So like, what are the biggest changes that you think like you're seeing like as could potentially happen moving forward, like for you, I guess this is kind of a vague question, but what are the biggest things that you're noticing about a guy like Christian Yelich, let's say? Like for routine oriented? Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's all star. He just that guy is the first and the last one out every single day. He's so. I mean, I mean, our bodies are our investments, right? That's like our job. That's what we have to keep healthy. And I think a lot of people don't realize that. But what he does every single day, and guys' routines are longer than others, but his is like, I mean, the amount of hours that he puts in to play the game. So he knows he's healthy to help us win is like championship level. And I remember even in spring training seeing that, all the stuff he does in the weight room before the game, after the game, all the recovery he does for his body. And I mean, again, like some of these older guys, they have to do more recovery for their body, um, you know, post game to make them feel good for the next day. And um, I think he was, a, he's a great example of a guy who, who in there every single day longer than anybody else. Um, but again, that's why I think he's so good. Um, and again, there's numerous guys like that. Willie Adamas is another guy, um, you know, that, that's in there a lot. Corbin Burns, you know, these pitchers too. I'm watching their routines because they're going out, you know, one every five days. It's like that doesn't mean those four days are off days for them. They're in there every single day in the weight room. They have their whatever it is two days before they start, one day before they start lifts in the weight room, um, and they're grinding. Um, so it's cool to see all these superstars. Uh, go through their routine nasty that's awesome um a couple more things what's uh what are like the, the things you're looking forward to here down the stretch like guys you want to play against teams you're looking forward to playing against i know uh there's no boston trip right there's no there's no trip to to being no boston. But, that's next. Yeah. but yeah i'm looking forward to be going to new york i know stadium um down the stretch here um Wrigley, I think will be great. They're obviously in our division, so that'll even be a cooler, cooler game, I think. I know that they kind of bounce back in the race here. Um, yeah, I think those two kind of stand out, but yeah, I'm fired up for, for I mean, Atlanta was phenomenal. That was, it was my first away trip, but um, they sold out uh, every single game. And I remember Friday night, um, I think they, they might have like 40 plus thousand people there, but I remember the first night. Um, 
the first mountain visit when they tomahawk chop. They turned the lights off. Everyone had their flashlights. I was like a little kid sitting out in the outfield, just like, like I wanted to hop in on it. I was just like, oh my gosh. Well, your weird. first three series have been like division, like monsters. Yeah. Like you're like, oh, let's go Atlanta first, like big games. Cincinnati, who's in the race with you guys, and then down to Atlanta, which is, I mean, really couldn't ask for like better moments in terms of like yeah. what you're looking for, and it's only gonna get better moving forward which is awesome and i'm so excited for you about that uh any players in particular that you're looking forward to seeing i mean there's guys on every team that i'll be looking that i'll be like wow um i mean watching that Braves lineup hit it i mean if you're a baseball fan out there just go watch atlanta braves game uh as a hitter those guys are so i'm watching like acuna and also riley hit is cool. Um, I am fired up. Like I said, New York will be fun. Uh, I'd love to see Judge in action. Face uh, Cole would be cool. Um, yeah, so there's, I mean, there's a guy in every single, but I do, I think the position players watching are cool, but I think I'll get more fired up when I see like a really big ace going against us one day in the lineup. Like those are the ones you kind of get up for a little extra. So, awesome. um, yeah. You bookended the Braves. I saw the Braves in town because it's all my people from Toronto. So Sal yeah. Fasano's there. Um, I know Walt Weiss really well. Brian Snicker, you know, KP is my guy. I told him, I texted him that night. I said, hey, watch out for my guy, Sal. And, uh, you know, you didn't, you, did, you obviously didn't disappoint. I said, just, you know, just be careful, guys. This is going to rip you apart. Bobby Magallanes has been on the program before, too. KP has been on the show. So uh, I'm glad you took it to him right away. I was like, I, I was like, hey. Watch out for this guy. And then you did it. So uh, I'm super proud of you. Um, one thing uh, post-show here, uh, and I think Patrick uh, put this up, the uh, the Bobby Witt Jr. walk-off homers made the rounds. I don't know if you saw it. He hit a walk-off grand slam the other day. Um, yeah. The swing has been talked about a lot because he didn't really get extended. It was like 102-mile-an-hour fastball, 140-mile, whatever it was. Uh, did you get to watch the swing? What did you think of it? And yeah. On Bobby's? Yeah. I mean, that's the thing now is like, when the ball's hard, like, I, I think barrel control is just so much more important than thinking hit the ball, clip it as far out in front as you can, backspin it, whatever. Like, keeping it short and kind. I mean, that's the thing with me, too. I've always felt that every home run I've ever hit in my life has been with two strikes, just like, weirdly enough, because I'm trying to stay so short, so short to the ball, clean inside it that, like, when you just kind of happen to run into one, you run into one that goes out. And I think that's kind of what happened with Bobby there. Like, it was late in the game, and I forget who was throwing. What, I don't, was it Closet? Or, I forget, but the guy was throwing cheese, and I was just like, I'm sure he was thinking the same exact thing, like, put the ball in play, and then he up, you know, hitting one out. So just tap it, man. I don't know if you yeah. heard Piazza say that. Just tap it. So like Mike, the funny part was, so my first WBC, it's I had met Mike in 2012. He was the hitting coach for Team Italy and uh, in the 2012 European Cup, and then it's 2013 WBC. And uh, you know, it, first time that I'm kind of just feeling him out, and you know, he wasn't saying much, and and then we're playing in spring training the next year, we're playing the A's, and he goes, "Hey, man, just tap it." And I was like, oh, just like, that's it. Just tap it. 
so he's like, I'm asking him a question because Bobby had asked me, my Bobby Tewksbury had asked me, um, he said, you know, there's this home re hit and you can go look at it later if you want. There's a home re hits against Kurt Schelling and the pitch is literally at his eyeballs. And he hits the right center at Dodger Stadium. And I said, Mike, I, I got to ask you about this homer you hit. So it's Schilling, two strikes. I don't know if you remember. He's like, yeah, well, yeah, I remember it really well. He's like, Schilling, I, know, I knew he liked to go off with two strikes. And he was throwing hard at the time. And he goes, so I just stood up a little bit, right? I got a little bit taller. He goes, I just tapped it, Chris. Ball's coming in fence high. I just tap it. And I was like, oh, simple. Just tap it. So, but it, it, it works, right? Like the idea of thinking about doing less, we're in a generation of harder, faster, stronger, and to be a great hitter, a lot of times you just have to think about touching the ball, right? Like, and, and it made sense to me, you know. Hit a homer. No, I hit a homer. That will never happen. That never happened before. So I, I mean, it's – put in play, tap it. Yeah, just tap it, man. That's it. It's a team Italy league connection, you know. So um, it's funny. I was, I was in the cage in Worcester yesterday, and Bobby Dahlbeck said – something that I'd never heard him say. And I go, and I, I turn around he goes, yeah, you know, that 92 here in the cage turns into one-on-one out on the field or whatever. And I go, boy, Hey, yay. I said, that's the most mature thing I've ever had you say. And he's obviously putting together a great, I said, you hit me right in the fields, Bobby. And he's like, he's like smiling and just being loose. And I think that's a testament to, to, to the year he's having and obviously to your success. So dude, I am, I, I mean it from the bottom of my heart, bro. I cannot wait to continue to watch you play this game. I'm utterly thrilled for you. Promise me, please, that just so the foul territory guys don't bust your balls, wear your shirt when you get the spread, take it off later. Show your, like, literally be like, here, here you go, Kratzy. Look at my abs. You haven't had these in 20 years. Lance Lynn, he hasn't had abs ever, so it's fine. Um, but keep doing your thing, man. Um, so proud of you and uh, continued success moving forward, dude. Thanks, CC. Thanks for having me on, and I'll be in the cage just off. Can't wait, dog. I, I mean, I want to watch this first, so let's do this, and then we'll worry about yeah. that when the time comes. So just go go mess around, win a World Series or something like that, all right? And listen, next time you need a dog sitter, call a bellow kennel, call, text me. I got it, all right? So your Thank mom, you. See, your next debut, your mom can come that way. I'll, I'll go let her. All right, buddy. Thank you. That wraps us up. On that note, pickle out!